Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi. I'm one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Today joining us for our discussion is Mick Wells, who is co-host of Cross Connection Radio Program. He's also a songwriter and has been part of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. Steve Wilson is with us. He's a Christian author with a master's degree from United Theological Seminary. And Rich Harmon, who is a licensed minister from West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Gentlemen, it's good to have you with us today. And we're going to be discussing a topic called God's Will, Discerning and Responding. And one of the things that got me thinking about this was a sermon that I heard from our pastor at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and he was using a specific incident in the Bible where somebody knew God's will, and instead of waiting for his timing, they decided to kind of run ahead and try to make God's will happen ahead of God's timing. And so today, I think what we're going to try to do is look at several instances in the Bible where people knew God's will or were trying to figure out God's will and how they responded and how that uh, looks in our lives today in the 21st century. So I think we're going to start out with Steve today. Steve, this is the passage that uh, I heard our pastor preach on, and it's from Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Would you read that uh, for me, talking about Abram and Sarai? Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So that's an interesting situation, because here you had Abram, who had been promised by God to become the father of many nations. He was going to be the, the father of many generations of people who are going to be God's followers. And according to what you just read, Steve, it was 10 years and still nothing had happened. Ten years. And still nothing had happened. Now, it wasn't that Abram wasn't believing, but I think he wanted to do God's will, and he just couldn't figure out, well, how is this going to happen? In fact, later in, in the book of Genesis, we read that, that Abram was like 100 years old. Sarah was 90 when they finally conceived and, and gave birth to Isaac. So... I think here we had a couple of people who were not necessarily trying to do the wrong thing. Maybe they did the wrong thing, but for the right reasons. Now, of course, that doesn't always mean that things are going to work out great because that had long-term consequences, as many of us know, um, if, you've, if you're familiar with the story, that um, because of this relationship where, where Hagar had the child, his name was Ishmael, and Ishmael and Isaac were at odds their whole lives, and in fact are at odds today through their, uh, their genealogy for all these centuries and even millennia. Now, on the other hand, we have somebody who heard God's will, and he didn't really like it. 
So, Rich, would you share us with us about what happened in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying for fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. That last part was kind of sharing what God did, but why did God do this? Because Jonah not only didn't follow what God wanted him to do, if you would look at a map, the ship bound for Tarshish was kind of exactly the opposite direction from where God wanted him to go to uh, Nineveh. So first we had Abram and, and Sarai who knew God's will and tried to do it, but maybe not the right way. Here we had Jonah who knew God's will and says, I ain't going to do that. But then this next one, Mick, we're going to have you read this from Judges chapter 6, verses 36 to 40. This is kind of where I seem to find myself a lot of times. It's like, Lord, what is your will? And are you sure you're telling me that? Why don't you read what happened here? Sure. This is the account uh, recorded of Gideon putting out fleece to try to discern the will of God. Uh, verse uh, 36 in chapter 6, we'll start there. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, uh, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. I think God answered his prayer. You know, sometimes I wonder if Gideon was kind of hoping, yeah, I hope nothing different happens here. I hope it's all the same, so I don't really have to do what God wanted me to do. But I think we can get that way sometimes, can't we? I mean, haven't we ever had something happen to us where we just kind of know that this is what God wants, and it's kind of like, Lord, would you confirm this? Because, gosh, I don't know if I really want to do this or not, but if it's really what you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. But I really don't know if it's what you want me to do, Lord. You know, that's kind of the way it gets. Has anybody ever had that kind of thing happen to them? Absolutely. I had that same exact situation when I first felt called into ministry. I was really struggling with it, is uh, whether or not it was truly a calling from God. The next time that I experienced that, probably even more so, was when I felt called to missions, go go to the mission field. The uh, I've always had a desire to travel the world, so I really had to challenge myself, was it something that I wanted to do, or was it something that he wanted me to do? So... Did you put out a fleece? How did you respond to that? How did you realize what it was that God was wanting you to do? A lot of prayer. A lot of prayer, a lot of counseling with um, people that had been in ministry for years, 
people who had been in the same situations because uh, it was all new to me at the time. So throughout just seeking counsel and a lot of that came through prayer and a lot of it came through just reading my Bible and just really seeking what God was looking for me, for me. I think that's a great thing um, to hear how, how that worked in your life because I know that uh, before we started, Steve was talking about the question of does God have a specific will for us or, or a general will? Like I think from what you were saying, Rich, is that there's nothing in the Bible that says don't go out to the mission field or don't um, go out and spread God's word, but you were kind of looking for a specific answer for what does God want me to do specifically? Steve, was that kind of what you were thinking about when you were talking about um, does God have a specific will for our life or were you thinking of something a little bit different? No, that hits it. I think um, a lot of people are looking for the specific will, and sometimes they don't ever find what that is. And uh, so then we have to question, does God have a specific will for each person, or is it a unique calling to certain individuals? And how have you found that to be? Is it something that's always one way or something that's always the other, or is it sometimes a little of each? Well, I said, I think it, it, uh, it depends. You know, God has a general will for all of us to, to live according to um, the standards that he's put for us, to live in his love and, and to live that love out. But then sometimes he will call certain individuals to do specific missions, to be a, a minister or to be a missionary or uh, to serve him in some other way. I think that that's really a wise way to look at it, uh, a true way to look at it. Um, if God doesn't call everybody to the same job, you know what that means? It means that we're all different. And I think that that's what God has done is he's made us all different. Um, I had a person say something to me the other day about how they respect me for being a pastor. And it's like, don't think of me for being any better or something because I'm a pastor. I'm just doing the job that God asked me to do. Everybody who is a Christian is supposed to be serving God some way or another, just because I'm in a role of a pastor doesn't mean I'm better. It means that that's my particular assignment. I'm just as flawed as as anybody else. It's only God who can give us the strength to uh, to do what He calls us to do, whether it's pastoring, whether it's um, you know just being a a, a great layperson. No matter what you might be doing, Mick, do you have anything that you'd like to add to any of this? Well, the section on. Uh, Gideon putting out a fleece, of course, begs the question is, and God honored that, of course, makes you, uh, it begs the question of, is, should we as Christians do things like that today? And I, it occurs to me that there's a significant difference from the Old Testament era to Christians uh, like we are in the uh, New Testament times, because back then uh, people did consult prophets and they got their direction from God in various ways, but in the New Testament area we have a counselor within us. As Christians, we're, we're actually the residents of the Holy Spirit uh, who's called a, a counselor. He's in our hearts and he's there to guide and direct and encourage us. And and so I've often looked at the story of how Matthias was uh, selected to replace Judas 
as an apostle. You don't hear much about Matthias after, if, if, if anything, about Matthias after the selection. But look what they did. Uh, in the vernacular, they drew straws. I mean, they cast lots. And, and uh, it seems to me that's almost like putting out a fleece, saying, God, you show us and do it in this manner and we'll play this game. I like that idea. Um, I'd like to come right back to that. But I think right now let's take a quick commercial break and let's get back into that about Matthias and what happened in the book of Acts as the apostles chose the uh, person who was going to succeed Judas. And we're back here with Reconciling Grace. Right before the break, we were talking about how the apostles, in, in mixed words, almost drew straws. They cast lots, which is in essence like drawing straws, to pick the uh, successor for Judas. I always like that story because it's kind of like, if you look really closely at the scriptures, they determined what the qualifications were going to be. It had to be somebody who'd been with us from the beginning and all these things. They determined the qualifications then they took nominations, then they narrowed the nominations down to two, then they prayed. That's what the Bible says. Then they prayed and said, Lord, which one of these two? And I think that if we're honest about it, most of us would realize that it was neither one of those two. The one who was supposed to take Judas's place wasn't even with them yet. His name was Paul. So I like that idea, what you brought up about putting out fleeces. Um the Holy Spirit is the one who's supposed to guide us, right? And the Holy Spirit does live within us if we are Christians, because that's Jesus said it would be better for Him to go away, meaning to be crucified, to be resurrected, to be taken up into heaven, because then He could send the Holy Spirit to live within His people, and He is supposed to guide us. One of the things that I want to think about, though, as we as we think about how does this apply to us today. We can say yes to God. We can say no to God. You know, Abram and, and Sarai did one thing. Jonah did another. Gideon said, really, God? You know, and, and that's kind of, as I said, where I find myself. But how does that apply to things today, for instance? For instance, what if you're looking for a job? I mean, just a regular job. I'm not saying you're called into ministry, but if you're looking for a job, if you're in a dead-end job or whatever, and you say, Lord, you know, I really could use some more money, or my family's really struggling right now. So would you take care of this financial situation? Is it a lack of faith if we, for instance, put in job resumes and applications, or should we just sit back and, and say, okay, Lord, I need a better job? Anybody have an idea? I personally think that it's uh, cooperating with God uh, to make your candidacy known like that. So. God can can work through that, not necessarily through it. Um, you don't know if you're going to get any job offers, but that's the way we apply for jobs out in the world today. We send out resumes, resumes. We go through LinkedIn or whatever to make contacts uh, with people. I, I don't see it as a as a problem, um, and I don't think it's presumptuous. Uh, upon God that we do those kinds of things. And I, I'm often reminded of my father. Um, he was a lifelong minister of the gospel. Uh, when he left, uh, retired from his church, 
he always told me over and over again, he, he thought God was going to give him a church to pastor, something not controlled by a denomination or what have you. But you know what? He never did anything about it. It was almost as if he expected to wake up, look out the front window, and found that God has flown in from the land of Oz or something. A church building all ready for him. He didn't do anything to cooperate with God in making it happen from a human standpoint. And that's just what occurs to me on questions like that. And I understand that very much. I think I find myself oftentimes, though, saying, I don't want to run out ahead of God, kind of the way that Abram and Sarai did. Um, You know, opening, trying to open a door, saying, Lord, how about this door? How about this door? How about this door? And it's like, it's not locked, but maybe it's open or maybe by trying to push it open. Steve, you say you kind of want to say something here, I think. Think about the parable of the talents that Jesus told, where essentially God gives us all talents and trusts us to use them. Uh, The master, when he went away in that parable, didn't say, okay, uh, person number one, I want you to use your talent and invest it in this specific way. But he left them to it. Mm -hmm. So here's what I gave you. Do what you can. And I think that's kind of the way we have to do We have to recognize our talents, use our discernment, use the wisdom that God gives us to say, okay, how can I best use that? And then we rely on other people to confirm that discernment. Uh, Rich was talking about going to the mission field, and he he felt that God was calling him to that. Uh, He probably sensed within himself some, some passion for that, some talent for that. But if he had gone to a missions board and, and interviewed and they had said, no, we don't sense that for you, um, you know, then, then that would have been another way of, of God telling us yes or no. So, so you mean God actually speaks through the church at times, huh? Through other believers, yes. Right, right. And that's how the Holy Spirit sometimes works. Let's take this out of the realm of, of, of our talents, though. Um, one of the other things that I was thinking about is what about, for instance, we're, we're all married, but what about when we were unmarried? What about when we were seeking companionship, a wife, or if, if you happen to be a, a female, you were seeking a husband? What about that? Is it wrong to say, Lord, I really want to meet somebody? Um, how about... A Christian dating site. How about um, saying, okay, I'm just going to sit in my house and I'll go to work and I'll come home and I'll go to work and I'll come home. And if God wants me to meet somebody, they might just walk into my work. What, what do you think of that kind of stuff? Seems to me that uh, we would have an inner peace about where we tried to follow up on those types of things. Now, would I, would I go out to a, 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 a rowdy bar to try to make things happen. You or, probably would. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. And Or would I go to a, a church singles group or, or something like that? It seems to me that God would direct your paths to those types of people uh, that he would want you attracted to for purposes of uh, finding a spouse. But again, do we just sit back and let it happen? Or is it wrong? I, I remember talking to... Um, a young lady way back in the days when I was single, you know, 30-some years ago, who said that 
she just felt God give her a piece about saying, I need you, he said to her in her spirit, I need you to be happy with your relationship with me alone. And then she felt that she would have a piece about that she'd maybe meet somebody. I have no idea if she ever did. I, I, I have lost touch with this person many years ago. I can't even remember her last name at this point. But that, that struck me because I was also single at the time, and I had to stop and think about that. Am I at peace with just me and God? But, you know, that's kind of getting off of the topic a little bit because what was God's will here? Was it God's will for me to meet my wife? Or was it something that, oh, well, as long as you, you meet a believing person, I'll, I'll just bless that, that marriage as much as I would if I had a specific person in my life. I mean, maybe that goes back to, Steve, what you were talking about, about a specific will or not. Well, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham again. Abraham was looking to arrange a marriage for his wife to uh, for his son Isaac, and he sent his servant to go back to his hometown and select a wife. Now, it took effort on Abraham's part to send the servant to go to look to be active in the search, uh, but then God had to confirm that choice. And again, I think, uh, going back to what Mick said, that's us cooperating with God. We're active, and then we use our discernment, uh, listen to that spirit speaking to us to confirm the choice. And can I piggyback on that to say that I don't know for a fact, but maybe Abram thought he was cooperating with God by following through with this incident or situation with Hagar, the Bible clearly tells us that in conjunction with that, Abram took Hagar as his wife, okay? So I don't know if the promise, I couldn't find it in the scriptures. I don't know if the promise was specific to include Sarah. It certainly was a promise to Abram that his descendants would come through the bloodline of a son, a blood son. Um, but you know, going clear back to uh, Lamech in the Old Testament, we find evidence of polygamy, and it was common, apparently. So he had Sarah and Hagar as wives by the Scripture. In either case, a child born would be the bloodline of Abram. So he may have thought, well, you know, based on the customs and practices of my culture, I have these two wives, and and maybe that's how God wants to work. Maybe he thought he was cooperating with God. I don't know. But it's an interesting concept. And that's what I was getting at at the beginning. You know, what happens if we run ahead of God? And, and as we come close to the end of our session today, I, I think it would be very appropriate for us to look at the idea of saying, so what if we miss it? How does God work with that? How does God redeem us? Or is it kind of like, sorry, you messed up? I can't see that with God. I see him as being able to redeem what was not necessarily his perfect will, but he can work through that. Has anybody ever had something like that happen before? I've had many things like that happen in my life where I should have been listening, like call, being called into ministry. Uh, he, he, I felt a calling in the ministry, oh, I guess, 17 years ago. 
and it wasn't until five years ago that I really got serious about it. All the years that I lost there, um, I, I, I feel like it really – I had to play a lot of catch-up there. I think that he he made things very difficult on me. Over, I, well, let me rephrase that. I don't want to say that he made things difficult on me, but by me not following his will when he wanted me to follow his will, I made things difficult on me. But now that I have established what I feel like his will is in my life, everything's just kind of opening up. And it, it, it's a very distinct difference between then and now. That's a great uh, example, Rich. I believe that it's important for us to understand that that God is our Redeemer. You know, some people look at him as I've, I've heard the description as he's the celestial Scrooge looking down at us saying, uh-uh-uh, I see you having fun, or he's waiting for us to mess up and, and so he can punish us. That is not the loving God who we have. We have to remember that we are his children, and he wants what is best. He does not want to punish us any more than we want to punish our children if we have children. We want that relationship, and he's there to help us to follow him. And if we mess up, whether it's as Jonah did by running away, we have to remember what happened with Jonah at the end. Jonah went back and and did what he's supposed to do. Yes, Mick? I think, too, that we've got to recognize that for Christians, even if we feel we've missed God's will and his leading, uh, none of our experience are wasted and the words of Romans 8.28 are really an insurance policy that we can learn from these uh, situations and go forward to seek his will and do his will. And those words are, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Um, is that, I think I have called that. According called to according his to his purpose. Right. I didn't have that right in front of me. I just wanted to make sure I said that right for anybody who might not have known that um, particular passage. We have to remember that we have an infinite God. Who, who can play with infinite possibilities, right? We can't wreck his will. We can't do it. Uh, he can always make the crooked path straight. That's right. And he, he, he is the redeemer. That is the important thing that I want us to, to remember. And so I guess what I'm hoping is that our listeners have been hearing this discussion today and, and understand that if you're having trouble discerning God's will, whether or not he has a specific will for you, whether or not he um, just has a general will and that will is to just serve him, whether or not you're, you're looking to find a relationship or a job, whether you've missed something that you think maybe you should have done a long time ago, that, that God is there to redeem that. And he loves you. And the idea is that he wants you to succeed in following his will and he will make a way for it to happen. It may not be when you want it to happen, as it didn't happen with Abram and Sarah right when they wanted it to happen, but he will make a way for you to do it. And guys, um, as we close today, I just want to make sure that our listeners know that they can contact us if they have any questions, if they'd like to make any comments. Uh, You can send us an email, uh, send it to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. RG stands for Reconciling Grace at faithandfriendsradio.com. Spell out the and in faithandfriendsradio.com. 
There are those of us here who would be, actually I guess all of us here today, would be more than open to coming and uh, speaking with your group or sharing with your group. Maybe you have a need for a special service or somebody who you would like to fill the pulpit. Let us know. We'll be more than happy to talk with you about it. Also, Steve has uh, websites that he has had... um, Many things that he has written as far as devotionals, primarily for children and adults, you can go to that uh, website by going to www.biblehelps.blogspot.com. Thanks for being with us today. Lord willing, we'll be with you again next time for Reconciling Grace. God bless. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.